Hey, welcome back everybody to part three of the series that we're calling The Creed. Uh, more on that in just a few moments. But first, as always, I'd love to start by looking into the camera and welcoming everybody right now who is joining us online. Maybe you're watching live or sometime throughout the week at your convenience. Um, however, whenever, whatever brought you to Trinity Church, uh, we love you. Um, and I want you to know that you are a major part of our ministry. So how about it, church family? Come on, let them know that you love them too. Welcome today. We're excited for what God's gonna do in this moment. Hey, before we dive in, let me just kind of give you my quick version of, of the news just to kind of add what Pastor Erica just said. But if you haven't already, download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right there at your fingertips. Uh, on the main page, it has really our highlights. Um, single moms take full advantage of the single moms oil change and car wash happening this Saturday. So if you wanna serve, all that's um, right there on, your, on the app. Um, but let me just tell you the growth track nights. Tonight is step three, teaching brand new stuff I've never taught to the church as a whole. Um, our staff, I've always taught this to our staff since I've been the pastor here. If you've gone through TLA, our leadership academy, I've taught it there. But to the church as a whole tonight, brand new material. And we're gonna talk about how our values and the culture, how they all kind of come together, being the people that God is calling us to be as, as a church. And I, I love what God's doing in our nights together. Um, but more importantly than that, I've loved every moment just hanging out with people um, after it's over, getting great food, hanging out, just meeting new people. So many new families are a part of our church over the last year. And that's been a really great moment just to get to know you. And so maybe today, like you're like, I'm not coming to hear you speak. Great. Come tonight at six o'clock after we're done in the room and hang out with us and enjoy some great food. And online, of course, We'd love to have you in the room, but we'll also be streaming it live for you um, at five o'clock sharp. We're gonna begin growth track night, step, step three. And then we're two weeks away. Pastor Erica just said this from Easter at Trinity. Now last year, because of everything that was going on, um, we didn't have Easter in the room. We had Easter online. And I am so looking forward to having Easter together with fellow believers. Can I get an amen somebody? Yeah, it's gonna be great. Now, um, that's a great Sunday that I think many people are probably gonna come back. They're gonna test the waters, check it all out. And Easter's just one of those weeks where people, if you invite them, people will show up to church. So as you leave today, grab some invite cards, stop by the selfie station, take a picture, right? And just put it on your Facebook, your Instagram, your social media, whatever. You never know what God will do through a simple invite or through a simple just viewing on, on Facebook. So help us with that. But more importantly, Pastor Erica said this, and this is what gets me really excited. That as you leave, there's sticky notes all over the walls. And there's names written on those sticky notes, and those are names of people that you are praying for specifically, that God would touch them in a powerful way. You know that they are far from God, and they need, they need God's forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, all those types of things. And because Easter's one of those Sundays where if you invite them, people will come, we have names that we pray for every single day that God would use a conversation, God would use a moment scrolling through your Facebook, whatever, that would just spark their interest and they would show up on Easter Sunday and God would open up heaven and it would be the most incredible Easter they would ever experience. Now, as you leave today, there's still names of people that you know 
Um, every year, people will write a name on there. Like last year, I was praying over, and it just said, uh, the barista at Starbucks. Didn't know her name, but, but God, would you open up a conversation where I could, I could invite her to come to church? Ex-husbands have been on the, the wall. Um, your kids, whatever. And every year, um, those people show up to Easter, and God saves them. And it's, a, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And here's what we've been doing since I've become your pastor. We have these sticky notes, but the week of Easter from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., we open up our room and there's music playing. And for one hour every day, we pray for people. Like we pray literally for every name, over every row, every environment, kids, students, we pray and ask God to show, to show up. You know, prayer, Oswald Chambers says, it, it, it does, prayer doesn't, um, it doesn't fit us for ministry. Prayer is the ministry. The hard work is done in those, in those moments. And you're gonna hear more about this, but um, you see it right here. Um, the whole week, Monday through Friday, we're gonna end on Good Friday. We'll celebrate communion together. Remember what Jesus has done for us. But from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., and it'll be streamed for you as well, I believe, um, we will have a moments of prayer the whole week leading up, leading up to Easter. Are you with me, everybody? It's gonna be an amazing, amazing experience. Okay. That's my version of the news. Um, if you haven't already, download the sermon notes that are on the app. Um, if you printed them off before you came, even better. And let's continue this series, The Creed. And what, what we're doing here in this series is we are looking at some of the foundational beliefs that separate our faith from, from others. First week, we talked about grace. Uh, last week, we talked about the second coming of Jesus, and if you've missed any of those messages, go back and watch them online. But today, I'm gonna deal with something that there's a lot of confusion around. And we believe, what separates our belief is that we serve a God who's not so far away, like just out there. We serve a God who lives inside of us and speaks to us and, and guides us. That's, that's the, Holy, the Holy Spirit. And because of that, there's lots of confusion because maybe you grew up in a church where you really weren't, weren't allowed to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? That's a bad word. Um, we, our, the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures, right? Not the Holy Spirit. And that's fine, but I, I wanna help us understand like what is the Holy Spirit? The recognizing the voice of God in, in our life. And to kick our conversation off today, let me go to what Jesus says in the book of John. Now, John, Jesus uses lots of pictures and lots of metaphor language to kind of describe what he's talking about to make it more simple. Um, after Easter, just a little preview, um, going through a eight-week study together called Come and See, which is on the entire book of John. I'm really excited about the series that's coming, but here's just one portion where, where Jesus talks about being a shepherd and we're his sheep to show us the closeness. And this is what he says. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. That's my goal for us today, that we would be able to hear and recognize the voice of God. Because he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And he comes back on the other side. But, but they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from the stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And oftentimes this is what I hear. Why well, don't really hear God speaking to me? And I think it's probably because we've allowed other voices, an enemy voice, whatever it could be, to cloud out the voice of God. 
God speaks in whispers. The problem is, is that we're moving at 50,000 RPM all the time. Does anybody else have that problem? I do. Like boom, 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 boom. God doesn't speak to us at 50,000 RPM. God speaks to us at five where we slow down and we cloud out, all, like we move all the other voices to the side where we can hear the voice of God. And I fear that so many of us, we constantly hear the stranger's voice and we've never heard God's voice. And write this to the side of your notes, but this is a really great quote I heard this week, that God doesn't have a speaking problem, we have a hearing problem. We have a hearing problem. And that's my goal today is to help us hear clearly the voice of God. Now, when we all hear the voice of God, there's a lot of confusion around that, isn't it? Because sometimes, and this has happened in my life, I can be so certain this is the voice of God and I can get it right. And then other times I can be so certain this is the voice of God and I can get it wrong. Anybody else have that problem? Like I said, oh, I missed, I missed them on that one. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. Peter, who had a front row seat to the ministry of Jesus, walked with him. I mean, his closest disciples. Jesus is around teaching his disciples. He, looks, he asks this question. Hey, who do people say that I am? Or who do you say that I am? And they all have different answers, right? And then Peter, he stands up. Boom, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, wow, wow, Peter. I didn't tell you that. Like only my father in heaven could have revealed that to you. Like, well done, Peter. You heard God's voice on that one. And then just a few verses later, Jesus is talking about going to the cross and dying, right? And Peter's just, never, never will you do that. And, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, well, get behind me, Satan. Literally in one setting, he goes from hearing the voice of God to missing the voice of God, like in like 15 minutes. Ever happened to you? Happened to me? Happened to Peter? And there's a lot of confusion around this, which is why John comes along in his three epistles that he writes later and he says, dear friends, like because of that, like don't believe every spirit, every prompting, every feeling, every emotion. Because you could be sitting in a church service, right? And feel something. You could be reading your Bible. You could be in a small group. You could be, well, I feel this impression. John comes, hey, don't believe every one of those, but say this word with me. But say it with me, come on. He tells us to test, test that feeling, test that emotion, test, test that, like, that impression that you have, test to see whether they are from God or, or not. Before I was a pastor, I was in seminary and I worked for a bank. And I can remember one afternoon, this older gentleman came to my desk and he said, hey, Jared, I gotta tell you something. I'm a Christian too. And, Man, I want you to know, like, I have heard God speak to me. And I always get really intrigued when I hear somebody say that. I'm like, okay, really, tell me, tell me how God has spoken to you in this moment. He says, well, God has said to leave my wife of 27 years and, and, and to go marry this girl down the hall. I'm gonna move in with her. I said, my brother, you have missed the voice of God on this one. Like, God is not asking you to do that. I, I, can, I can assure you of that. And he goes, well, it just feels so right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there, there is spirits that are happening, right? But it is not the spirit of God. I, I can assure you of that. I'm sure there's a great feeling. I'm sure there's these impressions, but he goes, well, I'm just, doesn't God just want me to be happy? 
I'm gonna burst your bubbles. I'm sorry, you came to church to be encouraged today, but let me just tell you something. Nowhere in scripture can you ever find that God wants you to be happy. Can't find it. What we do know over and over and is God wants us to be holy. And that's the paradox, right? Because when we actually pursue his holiness, that's where we find true happiness. Which is why we come along here and Proverbs just tells us, hey, there may be a way that appears right to you, but if you're not careful, if you don't test the spirits, it probably is gonna lead to death. So what do we do? I, I, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to miss the voice of God. And so we're gonna go back to 1 John and we're actually gonna take a test this morning and we're gonna test, put it through a filter of when we have those impressions. Because I believe that God, listen, God just doesn't speak to me. Just because I have a microphone on my face and pastor in front of my name does not mean that I have a direct line to God. God speaks to each and every one of you. You should be thankful for that. So because we believe that here as a church, the, the priesthood of the believer, the theological term, God will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, you need to put it through a filter to know if his voice or not the bad pizza you ate the night before. With me on that. So here you go, take your notes. This is gonna be incredibly helpful. Whether you're dating, you wanna know, hey, is this the right person for me? A career move? God, what should I be doing? Whatever you find yourself in, get your notes out, follow along. Here's the filter. Now, all of these points are incredibly important. All of them are. Um, but the first one is the most. If you can't get past the first filter, you can't move on to the other three. And here's the first, the first filter, and it's this. Does it line up with the Bible? But the impression that you're feeling, like whatever, does that thing, the voice of God, does it line up with the Bible? Let me say it this way. God is not going to reveal something to you that would be in disagreement to what he's already revealed in his written word. Never, never would he do that. He's not gonna say something to you here and now that it's culturally unacceptable or culturally acceptable, well, we just need to, no, never. We at this church, we believe that the Bible is the perfect, infallible word of God. I thought in my head, when I was studying this this, like, this week, I thought that would be a really great amen. Let's try this again, because don't let me down. We believe at this church that the Bible is our ultimate authority. It is perfect, no mixture of air, and we can stand secure that this is the word of God. Amen. Okay, so because of that, because of that, God gets to tell us what's right and wrong. He's God, we submit ourselves to his lordship. Not us. So like when the God has already revealed it to us, we must follow. He's never gonna tell us something now that would go against the written word of God. Amen. Now, this happened all the time. People would come to Jesus and they would try to argue, try to get him into a fancy thing, right? And Jesus would come, would come around with just the genius, right? He's so smart. And I'm about to show you something on the screen. I'm not picking on this sin. This is just the example that, that is being used. But the Pharisees, they always came to Jesus to what? To test him. And they would say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and, and every reason? That's what they're trying to get. And this is the genius of Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't even answer the question. And he just says this, well, haven't you read? Like, I don't have an opinion on this. 
like it's already been written. It is, it is already set in stone. It is written. And then he goes on to describe a passage in Genesis, which by the way, when people come to me and they say, hey, Jared, what's your opinion? Or what's the opinion of Trinity Church on this hot button topic? Like you fill in the blank. What's your opinion on this? I, this, is, this is my response. I don't have an opinion on that. I don't. Like, it's written. God, God's already made it really clear to me. Amen. He's already made it really clear to you. Yep. Like, God gets to decide what's right and wrong. We don't. Culture doesn't decide what's right and wrong. We believe that this is the perfect, infallible, like, authoritative word of God. Amen. It decides for us. And I know that's an unpopular decision today to say that, and one day it may land me in jail. But it is true. This is the word of God, and it is written. I don't have an opinion. It's already written. And then he goes on to say, like, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. He said, for this reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He continues and says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, maybe you're in the room and you read a scripture like this, and you're thinking, oh man, I've been divorced. And I think divorce has been one of those things in the church that's been picked on. And I want you to know this, like God does not hate divorced people. He hates divorce. What God has brought together, he doesn't want anything to separate. But we believe at this church that God is way more concerned about your future than your past. So we survey from this day forward kind of God. So whether in scripture you've gone against it in the past, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's anything else. From this day forward, God, we're gonna serve you and trust you with whatever you have for us. I want to speak that over to you today. We're not picking on anybody. Like we serve a God who's full of forgiveness and full of grace. But if you want to know my opinion on things, it's written. I don't have an opinion. And we believe at this church in a thing called the whole counsel of God. Because it's so easy for pastors in particular, right, to take a verse out of scripture to say, see, and you can do this in anything that's culturally relevant today. See, there's this one verse that talks about this, see, and it's completely taken out of context. So we teach, no, where it was written, how it was written, who it was written to, the context of the whole, that's incredibly important when you're studying scripture. Satan did this to Jesus, by the way. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan came to him three times and he used scripture out of context. Any surprise? Hey, if you're really the son of God, don't you have the power to do this? And every time, every temptation, what did Jesus respond to? It is written. It is written. It is written. And when you are faced, like I've heard this impression, like, no, I know what the Bible says, but this is the word of God for my life. I'm telling you, you have to put it through the filter. Does it line up with scripture or not? If you can't say yes, you can't move on to the second point. But if you can say, then it has to go through this filter. Write this in your notes. Um, go to the next one, sorry. Um, will I make me more like Christ? Will it make me more like, like Christ? So when you feel that impression, that prayer moment, the voice of God, like, will this make me more like Jesus or, 
or less like Jesus. I'm gonna give you some theological terms today, not to confuse you, I'm gonna try to explain it. But this is what we are taught as regeneration. So this, this is after you come to faith in Jesus. So you come to faith in Jesus to receive forgiveness, to receive his mercy, his grace, all those types of things. And once you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are now on a journey to become like Jesus. Philippians tells us to work out our salvation. Doesn't mean that we work for it. It means once we come to faith in Jesus, our attitudes, our behaviors, our relationships, our thought processes, all of those things, we want them to become more like Jesus every day. It's called regeneration. Later in Philippians, Paul comes along and says this, like in your lives, you must think and you must act like Christ Jesus. That feeling, that impression, is it making you more like Jesus or, or not? I'm constantly reminded of, of all the new people that are coming to Trinity Church. And, and today, we're gonna baptize a handful of people after the second service where they're gonna bury their old life in a watery grave and, and declare in faith that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. It's a beautiful, amazing thing. Well, what happens in, in, in this moment, it, it people will say, because there's so many new people are here, they'll say, well, there's certain things that I don't, I don't understand. Like, do I have to say no to this? And everybody's on a journey. You, my job like, is just to preach the word of God, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to, speak to you. But a couple of weeks ago, I'm reminded of just new people on their journey. After the 11 o'clock service, a lady comes up to me afterwards. She goes, Pastor, I, I've been here for a couple of weeks. I think this place is amazing. I've never experienced anything like this, but I have a quick question for you. I'm like, sure, what's, what's up? She goes, I love this monitor thing, like all the things that you put on here. And like, I just love it. I think it's amazing, but I have a question, okay? On the bottom of the monitor, go to the wide shot here, walk, walk me through this. On, on the bottom of the monitor, like there's a name of somebody or something, and then a number, then a dot, dot, and then another number. Like it says Song of Solomon, then a number, dot, dot, another number. What is that? And I said, well, this is the chapter of the book of the Bible. So the Bible has 66 books. Um, it helps you like know where we're talking about. And then the first number is the chapter and the dot dot tells you another number and that, that tells you like what verse we're in. It just helps you find where we're at in scripture. Then I took her to my concordance and I showed her all that worked. She's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Did you come up with that? <laughs> sure did, absolutely. Like I, I, no, I came clean. I did not, I did not come up with, with this at all. But here's the next question. Like you're talking about some things and I think God is speaking to me. How do I decipher that? How do I know if that's like his voice, like in this series that we're going through? And I took her to James. James, the half brother of Jesus, who actually didn't become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. So if you want proof for the resurrection, like what would it take for your half brother to like believe that you were the Messiah? What happened in Jesus' life after the resurrection, James has this revelation like, wow, my, my half brother actually is the Messiah. And then he writes a book in the New Testament. 
And he actually tells us, hey, here's some things that you may know. This is actually like, will make you more like Jesus or not. You ready for it? He says this, like this wisdom that comes from heaven, like first of all, it's pure, it's, it's peace loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James 3, dot, dot, 17 through 18, right? It's right, it's right there. And you look at this and you're like, wow, thank you, Holy Spirit, for making this so clear. That impression, that feeling, the voice of God, like, is it pure? Is it peace-loving? I heard the voice of the Lord. It told me to write this email. I heard the voice of the Lord. It told me to go on Facebook and write my opinion on everything that's going on in our culture. <laughs> if it's the voice of the Lord, it'll be pure, peace-loving. Oh, thank you. Isn't this so good? Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. When you hear that prompting, does it make you more like Jesus? Here's the third thing I need, I need to hurry. But does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? So write in godly counsel and then circle, highlight, do whatever you gotta do with agree. Now here, here's, this is my, how I work in my life. At, at this church, we have a thing called elders. Elders are elected by the congregation to oversee, to protect, um, to hold me accountable to certain things. And, and we're very simple structure. We don't, have, we don't vote on a lot. Um, but even in times where I, we don't, I don't need their approval or need their vote, I still come to them and say, hey, are there any checks in your spirit about what we're about to do? And if there's always more than one person, I just don't do it. Just don't do it. Because I believe this to be so helpful for leadership capital, for, for me to you, for you to have trust in this organization. Like I, I want you to know that godly counsel is in agreement. I'm talking about spiritual authority. Does the spiritual authority that's in your life, does it agree with the decision you're about to make? I have pastors around the country that I can call at any time that I willingly submit myself to their leadership. When I'm stuck, when I can't make sense of something, I bring it to them. Does godly counsel agree? Uh, two weeks ago, if you're brand new to Trinity, um, first week of growth track nights, I cast some vision of where we sense, not just me, but where we sense together as a church we're, we're moving in the next, in the next 10 years. Uh, July of last year, Amanda and I, our family, were coming down from Flagstaff for a couple, day away, a couple days away. And we hear, I, I, hear the, I hear the voice of God. I, this impression on my life of Jared 2020 is not a setback year, it's a setup year for where I'm gonna take Trinity Church. You begin like, okay, well, what does this mean? I begin to flesh this out with Amanda. Like if, if God is saying like there's more for us, like what does that look like? Well, there's 500,000 people in Mesa, Arizona. God, what would it look like for, for you to use our church to see 5,000 people over the next 10 years make a decision to follow you, to say yes to you? 
What would it look like in the next 10 years to baptize 2,500 people? What would it look like in the next 10 years for us to send 1,000 people on a mission trip? Now, what would, it, what would it look like? What would that require from us? Go back to the elders and I tell them, hey, this is where I sense God is leading our church in the next 10 years. I don't have any, how are we gonna do it? I don't know. But this is where I believe God is calling us and we begin to pray and we begin to fast and we begin to ask the questions, God, like, if that's what you're saying to us, what will that require of us? So we were having some crazy conversations last fall. Like, what would, if this is what God has revealing to us and we all are in agreement, this is the future of our church, what would that look like? We started the year in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I asked our elders and our staff to pray and to fast about these things, all in agreement. And I can remember the, the week before Growth Track Nights, I'm in our elder meeting and I say, all right, here we go. I'm, gonna about, to, I'm about to just very vaguely talk about where we're going as a church. What do we all think? And one after the other, no, th this is God's plan for our church. This is the direction. Like we know this. And I'm like, yeah, but it's gonna cost this amount of money and this is what it's gonna be. And they're like, Stop. This is God's church. This is his vision. He will provide. So I told you two weeks ago that right now we are making plans in the fall of 2022 to launch our first multi-site, Trinity Church East Mesa. And we have a school that has already given us a verbal confirmation on Signal Butte and Ray Road, right outside of Eastmark, the Gateway Polytech Academy, where we will launch our first multi-site church and we're gonna remodel, and we're gonna update this place, right? And we're gonna send people on mission trips all at the same time. And here's the thing, this isn't my vision. Godly counsel agree. We're 100% in lockstep that if we didn't do this, we would be in disobedience to what God has asked our church to do. Amen. And there's so much confidence today. I don't stand up here needing this week's offering or needing to cast better vision. This is God's church. This is his vision for us. Let, let these verses just kind of rush over you today. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. They bring people in. The next verse, listen to advice and accept discipline. Meaning, if they disagree with you, accept it. Don't go find other people to agree with you. The people in the spiritual authority, listen to it. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Go to the next verse. Here's what it says. Surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. So do you have people in your life, your spiritual authority, your small group, but do you have people that you can trust in these moments? Here's the next one. All of it leads to this fourth point, write this in. But if godly counsel agree, the last point is this, is do I have peace? Do I have peace? This is the major difference. God's not far away. God speaks to us. And God's language to us is peace. It's peace. First Corinthians tells us this, that God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. Some of you know the story. Um, three and a half years ago, I became the pastor here. Some of you know how we ended up here, but let me just tell you briefly how, how that story unfolded. But in 2017, um, during a 21 days of prayer and fasting, beginning of the year, Amanda and I both felt an impression, the voice of God, whatever you wanna say, that this was our year of transition. 
We didn't know what that meant. We were happy where we were. God was blessing the ministry in Indiana, but we sensed this was the year that God was calling us to something new. And so as we both kind of agreed, talked to other pastors, godly counsel, they're all, yes, we, we see that in you. Uh, we began to put feelers out, test the waters, and we were surprised. There were some really amazing opportunities that came our way. Big churches, big staff, brand new facilities, great places to live, big salary, you name it. Like it was, it was there and here, right? Like that made all the sense in the world to me, here. But in here, there wasn't any peace. We're on our way, I'm speaking at a school in Florida, Amanda and I are together, and a friend of mine calls me to say, I know that this is the year of transition and you know, you've put some feelers out, but I just came across and heard about a church in Mesa, Arizona, um, read what they're looking for, and man, when I read that, it just seems and sounds like you. Would you care if I sent you their information? And we just talked about it, like, yeah, like that's, sure, tell, like I'm open to whatever God would be doing. And as we kind of started the conversation with Trinity Church, our first Zoom call, I don't think it was a Zoom call, I think it was like a Google Hangout call. I'm on the call with all the search team, they're in Arizona, I'm back in Indiana, three hour time difference, so it was super late at night for me. And if you know my wife, not a surprise, but she goes to bed very, very early because she has like 20 miles to run the next morning before the kids get up, right? I mean, it's just kind of our rhythm. And it was a late night, I closed the computer screen, I walked up the stairs after that meeting and Amanda is sitting on the stairs. And she said, hey, what do you think about that place? And I did one of these like, no, 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 God's never gonna call us there. And she said, I think God may have a different, different story for us than that. And it was in that moment, there was this peace that just rushed, that rushed over me. And back to the story, like before I forgot to tell you this, but as we knew this was our year of transition, I heard two other things. One, that my wife would be excited about the opportunity. And number two, that my pastor would be supportive, my spiritual authority. And as we just said to Trinity Church, if the doors open, we'll continue to walk through them even though, I'll be honest with you, it didn't make any sense in here. It made all the sense there. So if you don't like me as your pastor, just blame my wife, everybody. She's to blame for all of it. But, but go back to this passage in Philippians. This is what it says. Like, don't be anxious, which I was. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to God, like make your requests known to him. In the peace of God, that surpasses all human understanding, the pros, cons list, making all the sense of it. Like this, no, this is way, you, of course you want us here. Like it transcends all of that and it will guard. Oh, this is such a great verse. Guard is a military term, meaning that an army is gonna encamp around you. A garrison's gonna come close to you. It's gonna guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And church, let me tell you, if you're not experiencing the peace of God, like, don't make that decision. It will transcend all human understanding. There is some faith to this. It will transcend all human understanding and it will give you such confidence and boldness to know this is the direction he's inviting you to go into. Now, real quick, how, how do we know this? Go back to our theme verse from the morning. This is the message paraphrase. I love how Eugene Peterson writes it. And this is what he says. When he gets all the sheep out, 
He leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. Familiar with his voice. So church, here's the first thing, write it in your notes, is you're gonna have to tune into God every day. How do you get familiar with something? You're familiar with it. It's just a part of your conversation. Like if Amanda was to call you right now and say, hello, like prayerfully, none of you would be able to recognize her voice. But when she calls me and says, hello, I'm like, hey baby, what's up? I just recognize her voice because of one word. Some of you, you need to position yourself like from 50,000 RPM, go down to five and get so quiet where you can actually hear God speak. God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. And John actually tells us this, the sheep, they're not gonna follow a stranger's voice, but it will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. You wanna know how to have this peace? You're gonna have to tune out the things that oppose God. Now, when I became your pastor three and a half years ago, I told you that I would never stand on this stage and telling you don't do this or do this and don't do this. And if you do this, you're going to hell. Like I will never pastor a church like that. You have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And as you tune into him, he's gonna tell you things to get rid of. He's gonna say, yeah, you probably shouldn't watch that. Yeah, you probably shouldn't go there. You probably shouldn't have that friend. Like that's not healthy for you. Like he will tell you those things. And when he tells you those things, you have to take the steps, which is what John tells us next. Like my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me, which just means this. You gotta take steps to where God has spoken. God will speak to you. And this is what I ask you as your pastor. When he speaks to you, you say yes. And you hold nothing back. You get rid of the pros, cons list. You put it through this filter and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your best future is on the other side of faith. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes all over the room. If you're online, come on, just cloud out every distraction, move it to the side, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And that's what we're gonna do right now in this moment. Come on, just quiet your heart. Take some deep breaths if you have to. Stop thinking about the afternoon. Stop thinking about your March Madness tournament bracket. Like just put it to the side. We'll go down to five RPMs. The Lord's gonna meet you there. He's gonna say things to you today in this message about some decisions you have to make. Well, listen to it. God, we thank you that you are talking to your sons and you're talking to your daughters. And that's not a voice of condemnation, but that's a voice of kindness today. Thank you that you're not a God that's so far away, but no, we can experience you here and now. And so I pray that you will open up heaven over every row over every home that's tuning in right now. Won't speak to us, God. We're listening.
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, some of you today, you would say, Pastor, I just need to come to faith in Jesus. I've been going my own way. I've been keeping God at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I just need to give my life to him. If that's you, I'm not gonna point you out. Just pray this prayer right where you are. I'll mean it with everything that you have. Just pray this, say, today, God, I am sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But tell them this, but today, God, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Now make this declaration. So I'm saying yes to you today. I hold nothing back and I follow you. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some, that's the first time they've ever prayed a prayer like that. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. But today, Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for saving people. Thank you for speaking to us today in powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, celebrate with me, those who just said yes to Jesus in this moment. That awesome. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, do me a favor and take the connection card that's uh, on the app or in the seat back in front of you. Just check the box. Let us know of your decision today to follow Jesus. I promise the hassle-free guarantee we're never gonna come knocking on your door. We simply just wanna celebrate with you, give you some clear next steps. And the best next step is baptism, which happens today after the 11 o'clock service. I hope you'll come back and stick around and watch um, that experience. But the next step is the growth track. Hey, come back tonight for step three of, of the growth track. We'd love to have you. And church, before we send you out, before we dismiss you, uh, we are gonna worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? I know you are. Hey, however you give, online, in the boxes in the back, at every, every um, door, maybe you're still sending it in the mail. However you're doing that, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity here at Trinity Church. Let me pray a blessing. Why don't you stand to your feet before I dismiss you? Let me pray a blessing over you. Uh, my wife and I will be down front for a few minutes. I'd love to give you a fist bump and welcome you today if this is your first time. Let me pray. God, thank you for these amazing people. Lord, and thank you for speaking directly to them today. Now, I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon we've ever had. And I pray that Michigan will win the March Madness Tournament. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. I'll see you next weekend.